to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means, the other one just for along the ride, along for the ride, and another one is hopefully going to be showing up uh, in a little bit. So, guess which one? Pause. James, say hi. Hey. Hey. Now, listeners, did you guess right? Was it Tyler or James that you said was here? If you did, give yourself a pat on the back. Appreciate you following along here. Um, hopefully, Tyler is coming in hot soon. Um, definitely want to talk some minors. He even made the rundown tonight. Man, dude, man showed up late for his own podcast. I don't know what we're gonna do with this kid. Classic, just classic Tyler. Just classic Tyler. He did go to the Rockies game the other day, so um, maybe he's just still reeling from the Coors hangover and whatever since from that. Yeah, so the Coors hangover is real. Yeah, it's it, and it means has multiple meanings in this sense. Um, the Rockies. Do you remember the last time in April? This isn't our strong suit. Before I say that, that we've only won nine games. No, because um, historically speaking, the Rockies are really good in April and May. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so the fact that they've been this bad this early is really, really really bad because you know june and july uh is going to be next level next level bad i mean this is the year that we probably don't want to say it don't say it you know what i'm gonna say don't say it all right i won't say it just peel the band-aid just peel the band-aid just just do it we're losing 100 games you said it it's i'm sorry but it's 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 happening it's looking that way. And I'm the positive spin guy. I try to be on this on this pod here. And I can't. Like the lineup they rolled out the other night, it was Mustakis, Hidden Herald, um Profar, who's hitting 200, and Grichik, who is coming back from his rehab start. Like you have five old heads, four old heads and a unrebuild rebuild year and you're trying to go 82 and 82 and it just doesn't make any sense i just don't see it changing either i mean i there's a lot of different tangents and and negative points i could try to hit on here but i mean like you being positive we always appreciate it but i mean (laughs) reality is reality whoa say that again for the people in the back Reality is reality. That is so profound. That is so profound. I mean, in a different life, I teach per, uh, philosophy at the university level. I'm just saying, but <laughs> me, it's... Reality, reality is reality, and I and I feel you on that. Yeah, I made the Sunday funny, which you know is or is not funny, but mathematically we're still alive. But emotionally, we know what's happening. Yeah, it's it's rough. Like, I mean, we have we have three Rockies topics, so let's just get right into the bad, the starting pitcher, starting pitching. Um, yeah, historically, it's a, historically, it's always been a problem, always will be a problem, and this year we clearly have not solved anything. Yeah. <laughs> or like we haven't prepared for this moment and we knew like there was no the off season there was no starting pitching sign like we signed jose arena and the fact that like the the um the front office is like yeah you know what this isn't the number six guy this is the number five guy we want in our our rotation um and that was our depth and then noah davis comes out just deals for two straight games, but is dealing with an injury and tries to fight through it in his first Coors Field outing, which can't blame a dude for trying to go out there and do his thing, right? Like, well, no, but let's be honest about it. I mean, his two first starts on the are on the road, which is like, yeah, all it's things, a whole different beast. All things, yeah, all things equal, being on the road is like the best case scenario. Yeah, for Noah, which is great, it's fantastic. But then you watch him pitch at home. And, you know, mechanically, pitch selection, all of those things, they don't really change all that much, but you can just tell it's it's the Coors effect. Um, there was one time um, 
I mean, he walked a guy on a 3-2 count, bases loaded, uh, and that didn't help anything. But, like, dude just got rocked. And it wasn't that he really wasn't doing anything all that different. It just it's like Coors. Yeah, that and combined with the injury, like, it came out like he, I think it was that night, I think, they put him on the 15-day IL. So you're pitching in Coors with an injury for the first time. And it will humble a person. Um, but like he was our depth, right? He was there. And then Marquez goes on the IL and it, with a different injury than what he came back from. And now we're hoping Cinzi comes back, who had a terrible rehab start in Albuquerque, but it's rehab in Albuquerque. So there's absolutely no weight to that. Like he's still, he is a major league pitcher. Like you're not, can't be worried about it. But like then what? Peter Lambert's still not over 60 pitches. Carl Kaufman hasn't love him friend of the pod, but he hasn't quite figured out Albuquerque just yet. And I don't know where you go from there. Like, I, I don't know. There's no really Ryan Feltner ready to go in Hartford type person. Like when they called him up two years ago out the double a, I mean, you can't trust honest, the Rockies Ryan... to sign somebody. I don't have anything positive to add. Well, maybe Tyler does. Tyler's here. Tyler joined us. He <laughs> fashionably late. Um, you were sitting there listening. Thank you for your patience. Um, waiting for that segue in, right? Um, <laughs> how do we save the starting pitching? I mean, I, I don't think James was putting any spin on it. I think there's no real way to look at it and and be excited or confident in what the Rockies can do you know they're down Marquez currently down Sensatella although hopefully you know yeah in a week right now you're basically down to Connor Siebold as your only option who could pitch like tomorrow and give you 70 pitches as you said you know Lambert not getting over 60 Siebold is like the only guy right now because I don't think there's anyone in double a who's ready to just go ahead and get added to the 40 man start getting uh, you know, service time and also anyone that could actually pitch decently and navigate a big league lineup. They could not sustain another pitching injury. Like at this point, I mean, you'd be forced to have Peter Lambert come in and what are you going to get out of him? Uh, not a whole lot. And yeah, it's a, it's a lost season um, from starting pitching standpoint. And just overall, it's a lost season. I mean, let's be real about it. Uh Bad Rockies in April and May means horrible Rockies in June and July. It's, yep. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, the Coors hangovers are going to be different um, coming up. And it's just, it's frustrating. It's the whole thing. Like, I don't know. Like, we are beating a dead horse and we're not bringing anything new to the table. But it's, I, I tried to, we were trying to talk about it last night. Um, that's a different time for a different story. Um, but like the apathy is starting to set in. And I think that might be what Mr. Dick Monfort up in pause was intentional, um, might need to start making those changes. And I don't, but like, it's what he needs. Right. But none of us trust that is what is going to be to make those changes. Like we really are just in this crazy ass loop that, all right, we have a professional team in Denver that we all love and adore and the fans love the players. The players love the fans. And I think that is what the Rockies are. And everybody's been saying it to me for the last five years. I said, no, no, we're good that positive spin I was trying to do. And I think the apathy is actually setting in right now. And James, that hurts. Like, that's not easy for me to say, James. Well, I, I hate to break it to you. I have two questions. Do we know what the knuckleball does in Coors Field? <laughs> I mean, like, I seriously, mean, like, what is, what, what is Tim Wakefield doing? What is R.A. Dickey doing? Like, are they busy? Do they want? pitch again i mean at this point like just like let's just try something i don't know uh to your point off dick like i i try to give him the benefit of the doubt because 
we make a lot of assumptions about what he's doing or not doing or this and that, but um, it's just really painful because it's very clear that he won't just take the hands off the controls. Yeah. You know I mean? Like good intentions or not. Um, but, uh, you know, that's a different topic for a different time, I guess. But, um, yeah, this year is going to be really rough. Really, really, really bad. One, what I'm worried about is that, you know, you see attendance. It's it's pathetically low. I mean, it's sad. That was what and the good, Rockies and could good. at least pride themselves on. Yeah, no. And, and it thank is, God. But know, I think the negative to that, though, is that Dick Monfort is not going to – like, he he's in disbelief right now. He doesn't know what's going on. I don't think that this is going to lead to immediate action. Like, maybe, you know, he tries to do some little shuffles as if – as we've seen in the last couple of years. There's been a lot of movement in the front office the last couple of years. But to what end? It, it has led to the same, the same spot that we were with Jeff Breidich, you know, three, four years ago. And I think this, this attendance drop, it's going to freak him out, but I don't think immediate change is coming. I think he has to, you know, sustain multi-year losses for things to truly change. So yeah, this could be yeah. the beginning of a really brutal two or three year stretch before, you know, the plug gets pulled because they're actually kind of in financial turmoil, like being held over the, the stove and feeling the pressure. So it is really. I mean, I'm I'm the one here, usually trying to do some nice positive spins on things, but I really, I'm I'm painting doomsday right now. Well, here's the thing that that is the problem. It's that Major League Baseball as a whole, and the Rockies as a microcosm of that, is that nepotism rules everything. It's who do you know and. Um, so on and so forth. It's not a meritocracy. So if you if you work hard and you're a good scout and you do these things, it doesn't necessarily translate into being promoted into the position that you should be. I mean, uh, Bill Schmidt, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's done two good things. Uh, other than that, it's just kind of been the status quo, which is fine. But Bill Schmidt has been a yes man in the Monfort system for a very, 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 very long time. Um, and that's just, again, just a microcosm of the problem that is major league baseball and the Colorado Rockies is as a crux of that. Right. And I think think you go ahead. uh, Okay. I think you look at revenue sharing also, and that that's another kind of reason that going, going to my naive theory here is that Dick is still going to make money because of the revenue sharing system. And it's why the Oakland athletics can do whatever they want with no repercussions. Cause they're still making money. Even if there's nobody in the stand, you know, the Dodgers are making the athletics money. The Dodgers are making the Rockies money. And I think that's, that's also one of the, you know, the issues of, of major league baseball as a whole, you know, you have teams that can sit on their hands and get money for it. Yeah. And, it's a good thing and a bad thing, right? Like I think until there's maybe a salary floor and some like repercussions deeper than it, like we have the lottery now. So like we don't tanking isn't everything, but like, I don't know. That's a whole nother thing. Um, But I was, what I was about to say is you mentioned attendance being down, but if you were at, you were, you were, you were at Coors this weekend, there was what 38,000 there Friday, Saturday night. Oh, yeah. I mean, combined. Yeah, I think so. Because, yeah, Friday night was I mean, the attendance totals, I think, are always inflated. If I was to look around, I would have guessed, you know, 15 to 17,000 on a Friday night. And the weather was not bad. It wasn't warm, but it was, you know, 60, 65 at game time. You just throw on a sweatshirt. It's perfect. So I obviously, you know, you got the playoffs going with the Nuggets and the abs, but I don't think that's a big enough excuse to hold back one of the biggest cities in the country from putting 25, 30,000 people at a ball game. So, right. So there's, this might be the year where something changes. And Billy for me was that, that glimmer of hope that, all right, the, 
the Rockies guy all the way through the draft guy, very well-respected MLB guy. It wasn't just the Rockies. Like everybody in MLBs loved, loved Billy. And like, he's just like that old head that's been around the block. And it's like, all right, sweet. He can, he's the one that's going to reel in Dick and say, no, dude, I got this. Let me do my job and let me do this. And if Billy's able to do his job and if this is what J- Billy's job is, I think we need to reevaluate what Billy's doing for the Rockies. But if he's not, if Dick is really still pulling the strings like a puppeteer master up and up above, like that makes me even less more apathetic to, all right, this really is what this franchise is. Like there's always been this hope. And I think that hope for me is just slowly like, all right, when's my final straw? Like when my five-year-old son is looking at their game, like I'm watching the Rockies every single night and he goes, Hey dad, the Rockies are actually winning tonight. That kind of stings a little. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> yeah, they're playing really well right now. But like, he even knows the Rockies are not winning right now and haven't been winning. And that says something too. Like, you know, like my son's going to be, he's surrounded by Lions fans up here. So he has that franchise. He's got me as a Rockies fan. The Tigers are abysmal too. And like, we haven't got into hockey, but the Red Wings, <laughs> they haven't done anything in 12 years. So I think my son is just not going to know what winning is. And that makes me sad a little bit. And I blame Mr. Dick Monfort entirely for that. And how big of an issue is Bud Black? Let's go on to the next thing. <laughs> like we had that thing, me and Tyler recorded a pod probably a month, a month and a half ago with that stupid coaching ranking thing. And <laughs> Bud, oh, yeah, you remember it. And Bud was the worst manager in the league. And we're like, no, there's no way. Like, Buddy knows what he's doing. But like, as we're trying to get these kids to play, right? Nolan Jones up for three days and then sits back down, does nothing. Elias Matero, obviously, like, we knew the glove was an issue and hitting was an issue, but like, you're not letting him play through it. Toby had to sit for a week to get things figured out, which was good for him. Um, but like, how much of an issue is it with Bud Black? Because we have a new hitting coach that doesn't seem to be working, and Bam Bam was highly regarded coming in. The pitching still hasn't seemed to take that step forward. Like as an organization, how much of this do we put on Bud Black stopping the Rockies from progressing to whatever that next step might be into it? There is no next step. Bud Black is <laughs> a lose-lose situation. Bud Black uh, is definitely not a problem, in my opinion. Bud Black is probably the best thing that the team has going for it. Unfortunately, wow. I yeah, mean, like, what do you like? What do you mean by that? Like, is that like a good thing, or is that a is that a slight on the Rockies? What do you mean by that? It's a slight on the front office. I mean the players that are on the field and the young players coming up, um, it's a blessing that Bud Black is in their life because he has so much experience and he is a cool head. But, I mean, truly, um, the roster from from top to bottom is an issue. The front office is largely and far away the biggest issue that the Rockies have had in the last 20 years. So... Bud Black's not an issue, in my opinion. So on that, so my point is, is Bud Black stopping the progression of the kids being able to play? Like, he has so. his lineup, right? Like, he has he has jerks and Profar that he has to play because whatever reason, he, we paid him $7 million to show up this year. But, like, CJ Crone isn't that big of a money, money deal. Like, why isn't Monty playing first in the majors trying to figure things out like he's doing in Albuquerque? Because CJ Crone's been abysmal since the All Star break since last year. Like, why isn't he taking a break? Why isn't he trying to figure it out? Well, um, I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest. If it was up to this podcast, to the three of us, Elias Montero would be starting every single game, and he just got set down. So, I but mean, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, what is Buddy doing to help that situation? I mean, he's not signing the guys to the contract, is he? Is him and Bill Schmidt like in the same room and they're like calling up Jerkson and saying, Hey, I feel like how's your are. visa these days? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> that was a low ball. That was good. But like, 
Yeah, Billy. Yeah, Bud and Billy are talking about that. Yeah, I'm sure they consult. I'm sure they consult. But, you know, when it comes to the signing of a Jerkson profile or, you know, I don't even have a problem with Jerkson profile. I, really I don't either. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, uh, his play right now is terrible. But, yeah, you know, Moose, for example, that's not great. But, I mean, Rodgers goes down to season ending injury, whatever. Whatever, Buddy's not on the phone with the agents. He might have some input or whatever, but I mean, he, Buddy's just like us. You know, he's looking at the free no. agent pool and saying, "Like, hey, I disagree." What you think he's not like us? You think he's better than us? You <laughs> oh, think yeah. he's better than us? <laughs> There's no way we are all equals on this planet at all times regarding all situations. But I think Buddy sees Mike Mustakis hitting Harold Jer- Jerks and Profar as that the fill-in piece because the kids aren't ready and he doesn't want to play them. Well, I mean, they have a point. Montero just got sent down. We thought he was ready three months ago. Right? Okay, go back to 2022, Ularis Montero, and how he, he handled that. Did he slow down Montero's progress last year with the up-and-down game time that he was doing? And then okay, we have to – And he has okay, to sign point. Moose <laughs> and hitting Harold to fill in this gap that he created himself. That's where right, I'm going with this. All right. Yes, we get it. There is destruction to be to be made when you send a guy up, you send him down, you send him up, you send him down, you send him up. Doesn't get him that bad. You send him back down. Like, I get that. I totally understand that. But also, you know, buddy's just going buddy. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think this is unique to him or the Rockies. Like, Multiple teams do that. You just saw that with Maji with uh, Pittsburgh, right? He gets called up. He has a couple of bats, gets a hit. He's fucking, excuse me, he's back down freaking double A already. Well, you know what I mean? Like, it's not about. That's a different thing. That's not a development okay. of a player. But I, I get your point, but I don't know if that's the same thing here. Okay, well, when I mean, let's go ahead. Go ahead. My issue with yeah the the Montero thing is he has sixteen games played this year. A couple of those he came in you know later on. He wasn't in the starting lineup. Like, are we gonna put the guy on blast for sixteen games with no repetition? Like, it just and the second he started making mistakes, he's out of the lineup. That just seems counterproductive to where the Rockies are. And and if there is a next step ever, it. Lies on the backs of these young guys learning through trial and error, and Montero never got a real shot. Like basically, let's see. I think he started 15 games this season. That is less than than a tenth of the season, and that was his showcase. That's all he got. Like he might not, you know, be a regular starter again this season because of like 15 starts that were subpar. I, I just think that's pretty poor decision making on the part of Bud Black because now it means more playing time for Mike Moustakis and it's just hard to wrap my head around that yeah Mike Mike Moustakis does not move the freaking needle doesn't move for anybody I mean I'm sure he's a great guy he seems pretty intense he looks like a want to have a beer with him yeah definitely hanging yeah like that's cool but yeah I mean it's the futures with the 23 year old kid and not the 35 year old you know guy Totally understand that. I think, and that, again, that just goes back to the nepotism of baseball. Like, you have experience, so therefore you're worth more than somebody that doesn't have experience, even though they might have more talent. You know what I mean? And you can find cases to support or, um, you know, neglect that situation. Look at Alvarez with the New York Mets, right? He's like the next big thing for the Mets. He's hitting like 121. They called him up, right? It's just, I don't understand. I guess I'm not smart enough to understand what it takes to be a big league player and a good AAA player. Like, what is the difference there? Look at, perfect example, yeah. um, Joe Adele for the Angels, right? If you put him in AAA, he's like a monster. Absolute monster. If you put him in the MLB, dude can't do anything doesn't make any sense to me. And I can't navigate that difference. I can't navigate what makes him a good AAA player and a horrible MLB player. You know what I'm saying? 
I, I get that. And I have a counter argument to that. I'll go with that. And then I want to bring up CJ and Montero. Maybe we'll go to the next one, but Sam Hilliard, triple a guy couldn't figure out the MLB for the Rockies. Right. Would you agree? Right. Absolutely. So he goes to Atlanta has 54 plate appearances this year. Three home runs has a 0.8 war so far in Atlanta. What are they doing in Atlanta differently than what Colorado's doing? He's the same guy. It's not like he got extra time in Atlanta. Yeah, wait, what is he? What is he doing in Atlanta? He has a 0.8 WAR through 54 at bats. I'm just looking at the quick baseball reference. His OPS plus is 140. He has three home runs, ten runs, six RBIs, a 904 OPS. Wait, this never... honestly brings me to what I wanted to bring up with Bud Black. And it's not Buddy alone. It's, I mean, it's the coaching staff, and the coaching staff is sort of determined in, in part by the front office. I don't think they know how to game plan for their hitters and pitchers. I think they're kind of playing this like it's, you know, the the 90s, and you have, a, you have an idea of, oh, we got this guy on the hill. He's got a good fastball in the slider. And they're just going up thinking, oh, maybe fastball, maybe slider. But when you look at teams that are at the top of the league, it's the teams that are living and dying by analytics. And the Rockies at this point are probably one of the three teams with the the smallest influence from analytics. And that comes down to the guys are just going up there and freestyling. I, I really believe that, especially on the offensive side. I mean, they're freestyling it less than, say, a, a lay person goes out there and has no idea what they're doing. But I don't think there's enough intuitive preparation that's going on behind the scenes. And and you see it with their chase percentage. It's, I mean, they, I think they, have, they still have the highest chase percentage in baseball. That is a direct product of being ill-prepared. And I think that that comes down to Bud Black. That comes down to you know, Hensley Mullins and and the front office for not building up there. And I think that's why Sam Hilliard can go to Atlanta, a team that is one of the very best teams in baseball right now, and go mash. And it, it almost has less to do with the talent, although he's a very talented guy. Yes. But it almost has less to do with talent as much as it does just the situation. And the, it's like a football term, like system, like he's a system player, system quarterback, Tom Brady. Um, I, I mean, that's almost like what I think you're seeing with Sam Hilliard is – very talented, but like he needs a system that actually works. And the Rocky system does not work. You can put Chris Bryant, one of the best hitters of the last decade, on the Rockies, and he's a basically a league average hitter. And I think that that just goes back to you know this the symptom of the whole the whole organization. They don't know what they're doing at all levels. That's it. Yep. And uh, like seriously, that is literally it. I think that's from it. All yeah. levels. You can find multiple examples from front office to coaching staff to everything that it is just not it's just not a thing. It's not working. Nobody takes baseball freaking seriously. And I mean it should be it should be that I mean, I don't think chess is a good a good analogy, but like you're doing everything in your power you could possibly think of to win. And that is like you know, making a, a like overthinking a scouting report and trying to, you know, look into the numbers and all that. And I think that's how you could be the Houston Astros without banging on a trash can is that you go up to the plate knowing, okay, in a, a two strike count, this guy throws a curveball like 60% of the time. I'm going to sit on that. And maybe that's maybe that's exactly how they're, they're the Rockies are doing it and it fails. Um, there's just got to be something that. They're not going around, you know, someone's back to try and get an advantage. I, I just don't think they're doing that. Right. And, yeah, I think you summed that up very nicely. Um, I want to go back to CJ Crone and Ularis Montero. Going to the old vet thing that James was saying. CJ Crone and Ularis Montero have the same um, war right now, according to baseball reference, at negative, minus one, minus point one. CJ Crone has twice as many at bats than Ularis Montero. If you're producing the same, why aren't you giving the same more at bats to the young guy? CJ Crone should not be here after this year. Montero should be. Like, why aren't we trying to develop that? Why aren't we giving him that more playing time where CJ Crone's taking the veteran role step back? 
piece. And that's that's my argument about Bud Black. Like you've got to be able to I think you have to be switching something up and not win for the day because you're not winning the day more often than not this year. But you can win more days next year if you are developing them now. And that's my little piece. Brenton Doyle, though, speaking of kids. But, you know, I think it comes down to like Bud Black. I got, you know, I'm I'm definitely a critic these days. I think he's kind of in those twilight years, at least as a manager. I think there's, you know, good baseball years as a as a front office assistant, a you know, some kind of some kind of role. But he has been around so long. I think he cares a lot about his legacy and his dignity. And to him, putting putting these young guys in that he doesn't think deserve to be in there. It's sort of like tarnishing his legacy and his reputation. Uh, I mean, we've seen that ever since he got here. It's like there's always a a veteran, if not two or three, that are getting big opportunities, which makes sense if you're a winning team or a fringe winning team. But as to your point, yeah, today, what you do today is going to impact what happens next year. And Bud Black is not, you know, I think he's doing it almost for him. I don't mean to say he's selfish because I think he wants to he wants the team to win, but it's sort of like trying to run up a a vertical wall. Yeah, and like at a certain point, you've got to be able to adjust and switch and do something different when it obviously hasn't been working the last few years. And that's I get, I, that's my biggest gripe with Buddy and like I see these lineups being out. Like, what are we? I forgot what how how many games are we in like twenty nine or something. 28 of them have been unique lineups and that's i don't know that's that's something i don't know if that's anything or everything but that's something especially for a young guy trying to figure out what they're doing like there's no that no consistency kind of what your point was earlier tyler about montero getting consistent at bats like am i in the lineup today am i not in the lineup am i DHing hitting fourth or am i playing third base hitting eighth like where am i going there's none of that consistency, which does play a toll on the young mind as you're trying to figure out what this game is. Um, but like, I think let's move on. Um, Brenton Doyle, kid is here, kid is there, and I'm surprised. I'm pleasantly surprised. I didn't think he would come out the gates. He did again, just just being the Rockies, being the Rockies, and some of his at bat struggles uh, at times, but like he absolutely mashed in Albuquerque and he just had professional at bats ever since he's been up here. And his defense is just a thing of beauty. He is a reason I am tuning in to watch Rockies games right now. So absolutely love this for Brenton Doyle. Yeah. Brenton Doyle, Ezekiel Tovar. And you have so many names just on the cups of coming up and doing things offensively for these, this team. Um, and Brenton Doyle gives me that gives me that sliver of hope coming back. Um, how would you rate his his first week in the majors? How would you grade it? I'll I'll drop a C plus on it. Like I think, and that that might seem a little low, but I mean the the struggles have definitely started to come through with the bat. Um, you know, he doesn't need to hit that much. Uh, you know, if he had a couple extra hits to his name right now, I'd say like a B or a B plus because the defense is the best in center we've seen for the Rockies. And I mean, I'm trying to, they haven't had good center field defense in five to seven years. Like basically since Charlie Blackman was like 27 or yep. 28, <laughs> it's been, it's been a long time and he's already out there just looking like a speed demon and making incredible diving catches on the warning track. Like, there's a lot to like, and I mm-hmm. just really hope he can he can keep things slow because I think it's easy when you get in a little bit of a slump to get a little impatient and to you know expand all that. If he can just stay within himself, I think eventually the consistent you know two twenty average will come, which is again all he really needs. He's gonna steal some bags when he's on base, and he's gonna play great defense. So C plus for now. I would love to bump that up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was going to say B minus, uh, maybe even a B, but, uh, you know, just because he's a young guy trying to figure out things at the plate, you know, you try to give him the benefit of the doubt there, but defense and speed, like, there's so much fun, so much fun. Um, and the huge outfield in, in Coors Field, like, 
I always felt like if they had just had like three Kevin Pillars or three Kevin Kiermeyers, <laughs> that's a that's a fun product to watch, you know, in my mind. And Doyle fits the mold there. Yeah. And he has that little bit of a swag about him that that confidence like he belongs there too that you gotta appreciate and kind of root for. Um all right, speaking of kids, let's get into the minor leagues. This is now uh road to Blake Street banter session. Um let's let's take a lap. So Tyler, I think this might be our first one of the year together. Um it is, I, did a, it is. I did a solo one earlier. <laughs> um you we're gonna do things a little bit differently so I go team by team. You did a nice little thing, a tier list on the moon, taking off, doing well, on the mark, <laughs> looking for more, need to change trajectory. So um, space is definitely something we're talking about today. Wish I was able to stay a little more consistent to the the space metaphor. Uh, just had to go with doing well um, and looking for more <laughs> on a couple of those, but uh yeah we're we're eyeing the moon <laughs> yeah and that's what we gotta shoot for right shoot your shot um and so we're just gonna pick a few names i think on this list we just kind of pick one or two that we want to talk about who deserves their due and just go down the list through this thing maybe we turn it into a blog and put that out there and just quite quick little blurbs or links or something maybe i can get that done this week um but I'm going to talk about Braxton Fulford first. Future friend of the pod. Um, keep your ears ready for mm-hmm. that. He reached out to him, so we're going to get him on soon. Um, the kid out of Texas, sixth-round catcher uh, last year, has been just being consistent. What Almost only three games out of the 14 he's played, he's not had a hit, which is cool. He's got four home runs already in, which, in Spokane, which is enormous because – April in Spokane is terrible to hit and the, just the pitching that is up there. And he is calling good games, tw- only 12 strikeouts in the 61 at, at, um, plate appearances. Just not a lot to be upset about with Braxton Fulford. And he's played catcher every single time. So that durability is coming into play. He's doing three or four, four or five games each series. Um, I've not been able to watch him, which absolutely sucks. Spokane might have to get Mike and see if they are televised next week um but braxton fulford i think the rockies might have figured out catching <laughs> i don't know you got braxton drew romo ronica palma's not a terrible hunter goodman still hunter goodman caught the other day so he he's still considered a catcher uh and i think braxton Ful- fulford is gonna be one of those next guys that we have to watch for especially if we start getting up to who's like backing up drew romo in two or three years who's that guy that's going to be right behind him so Braxton Fulford y'all keep an eye out who's your yeah, guy I, I I just love what Fulford has unlocked this year I mean it's it's 61 plate appearances it's 14 games a lot could change right. but what he's doing in the in the Northwest League yeah that is really impressive um and again yeah he's a catcher so like being one of the best hitters in the league as a catcher like that is going to get some notice um, and so I'll just give mention these guys. I don't think they deserve the attention. They're they're getting it all the time. Sterling Thompson, Nolan Jones, those dudes. They are the reason that I thought of on the moon because the way they've been hitting is, is just ridiculous, out of this world. I'm gonna go over to Ryan Ritter though. This was a guy I was excited about when they drafted uh, last year in the fourth round out of Kentucky. There was always the the idea that he was gonna be a really good defensive shortstop but now you've got him raking he's got six homers he's walking at a really high rate uh strikeouts are are there but they're not they're not holding him back from producing so the fact that he's hitting at all is kind of is kind of impressive but he's hitting at a very very high rate a 1124 OPS over the last seven days last six games so he's finding his his step right now you know, stay tuned because this kid can pick it at short. And if he's hitting, like he's a top 20 Rockies prospect, if not higher. Yeah, preach. Ryan Ritter talked a little bit about him last week. He is definitely that guy that I'm watching. Like, all right, how long is he going to spend in Fresno until we go up, um, moving up? He And he's fun to watch. He's got, he's got that 
arrogance, that good confidence, arrogance in a good way, that good confidence about him when he goes up to the plate to take it, taking that bat. James, who's your guy that you want to share about? On the offensive side or pitching? Any side. Pick any side, brother. I'm looking at uh, Riley Pine. He hasn't given up an earned run in almost three weeks. That's good, right? I think. <laughs> it's and it's good. a fun story, I think. Yeah. I mean, over under June 1st. Pint and purple. That is definitely an under. Meaning before, right? <laughs> <laughs> before, after Jude first. Definitely before. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he's he's good. He still has that wildness about him, which I don't know if it's like an effective wild. Like it's, I've watched him a few times. And there's like a wild pitch that just comes out of nowhere. And <laughs> It's like, oh shit, there he is. And then he comes back and just like strikes out the side. Um, but James, you weren't following the rules. You went to the taking off section of the sorry about that. The, the pod. So well, he's taking off to he the is... taking off section. So nice. good segue. We're there. now we're we're <laughs> we're now there. Um other people on the moon names that we just mentioned, Blake Adams and Michael Prochecki. Uh, both do just doing work in Fresno. Uh, player of the week, Blake Adams might be player of the week again next this week. Michael Poshecki might be player of the week too. Um, taking off section, I I'm gonna do Dugan Darnell. I mean, I love him. Um, just insane numbers. He's had two bad outings, only two outings out of the last seven. He's actually allowed a run. But James, he had a two inning save the other night. Guess how many strikeouts he had in those two innings? Six. No. Four. Five. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. I love I love how he went to six though. Uh five strikeouts, only one hit against the the Fisher Cats up there. Uh, like again, 90%, no, 75% of his outings have been two plus innings, um, which is just what Kristen Norfia does. But three strikeouts, two strikeouts, one, two, five. And just he's here. He's figuring out what he was telling us, what he was working on, the vertical pitcher, the top down, and he's honing it in. The walks. He's a, five out of seven games have he's issued zero walks, which is a huge step forward for where he was last year. Um, that always got him in trouble and missing a spot. So Duke and Darnell, he's here. I'm, and just love that he's doing work. Yeah, he's he's balling. I'm. I was a little worried last year that maybe maybe some of the fuel was was running out, but like he he refueled. He's gassed up, and it looks like he'll probably hit the big leagues at some point soon. Yeah. Like whether that's that's this year or he gets a forty man ad, you know, we'll see. But it's just hard to to look beyond him. Yeah, seriously especially the way he's pitching right now. Like he's got to have people, his radar's got to be going. Who's your taking I'll, off guy? I'll, I'll slide behind the plate in, in Hartford, kind of sometimes behind the plate, Hunter Goodman, you mentioned <laughs> him earlier. Uh, and this is part of the, the catching movement for, for the Rockies. I was really worried last year that since he was such an aggressive hitter who had some contact issues, that he was going to hit double A and just just completely stop. Uh, and he, he didn't have a great go of it at the end of last season, although he hit a couple homers. But he's hitting just as well, if not better, in double A to start this year than he did last year in Fresno. Um, and, and think about yeah. last year, he hit, he hit, what, 36 homers last year? I don't know if he's on that same pace. He probably isn't quite on that pace. But he doesn't need to be a 30-homer guy. Like, if he's hitting 20-something homers, and right now he's running the 361 on base percentage, walking 12% of the time, like he's going to provide his worth. Um, you know, it's huge raw power. So the fact that he's just, he's, he's hitting, it's so exciting. And I, I'm a believer that he can play some catcher. Like, I think we talked about this. I don't, I think it might've been for the draft. Like when we did the draft with Pat and K-Dub, mm-hmm. I think it might have been then that it's like, why can't Hunter Goodman be like a third catcher kind of? 
or like, you know, your backup catcher is really struggling and you, you get a, another arm up or something and Hunter Goodman's your backup catcher. Like he's, I think he's capable of, of hanging around back there. He's got a good arm. So if he's a catcher at all and he's hitting like he is like, that is just, that's a dude. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like I said, he was catching the other night for in Hartford. Um, let's try to look at his game logs right now. He's caught three times in three, yeah. three times in 19 games and the other whatever 15 games have been split between left field and first base so he's getting his experience all across the board wherever he's at so yeah the third catcher is not a terrible idea like why can't your dhp that that third backup or the backup at first catcher left it's not a bad I mean, thing it- to have it gives you a lot because we've seen the Rockies this year. Anytime Brian Servin starts, Elias Diaz is in the game at some point. Like yeah. he's usually pinch hitting in the seventh, eighth inning. Hunter Goodman can fill that kind of role too. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he yeah. might not, if he doesn't start, like he's a perfect guy to put in late. You don't have his defense for too long if that's a problem. And then boom, he'll hit a bomb for you. Yeah. Uh, and it's just cool. He's in double A right now. So I think we got to, we've seen a couple guys. Go from double A to the big leagues. Like, when do we, we, we did it with Riley Pine. Like, I, I don't know if I can pinpoint an over under, but like, do we see him up in like July or something? Like, he's, he's showing he's just about ready. So, <laughs> I, I think you're jumping the gun, but I love the, the eagerness, but I just, but black anyway. Um, <laughs> other names in the taking off section that should be mentioned. Uh, Blair Calvo has been fantastic. He has a scoreless inning streak going on right now in Albuquerque. Victor Juarez, Andrew Cazeta, Mitch Kilkenny, Gabriel Hughes. Um, terrible outing last outing, but according to our our Twitter feed, he was missing his spots very barely, and the ump was just terrible and just some bad luck on some hits. So I think that that number juiced up a little bit evan justice uh vladimir mm. restituyo benny montgomery julio carreras who's on the il should be hopefully back this week luis mendez and davis palermo are some other names to that are taking off so to speak um our doing well category i want to mention this guy um there's a few other names i would love to talk about on your list here um but i don't think jared candy is getting the recognition that he deserves 17th round draft pick um, last year uh, from Florida Southern uh, College. Uh, Pretty much a nobody, just no-name guy, works hard. He's definitely a grinder. I've mentioned his name a few times on the pod. But, like, his last two outings, he went six innings the other day. Uh, Two outings ago, six strikeouts, uh, zero earned runs. Um, Any outing before that, two earned runs, 3.2 innings pitch that time, six strikeouts. Terrible outing um, last time. Got the win uh, thanks to a few, like I think it was 17 runs they scored. Uh, but he had eight strikeouts in his five innings, but had six earned runs allowed in that in that start. Just has the stuff to compete. Like if you're going Gabe Hughes, Jaden Hill, and Jared Candy is that, that third, fourth option like that you have to worry about. It's a tough series to win if you're trying to win the series at the minor league level. And he's got that grinder mentality that I'm definitely leaning towards, just keen on. Um, I try to I tried to watch every start he had last year in Fresno. And Mike got back to me. And the Spoken Indians are playing in Eugene this week. And so they should be televised. So on your MILB TV Beautiful. this week, make sure you get a Spokane game in. You'll see Jade, um, Gabe tomorrow, Jaden on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Jared Candy should be there on Thursday night starting game three. So Jared Candy, I think you all should just recognize that game. He has a fun name, Candyman on the Twitter. Uh, 23 years old, uh, but got to give it up for the Candyman. Love what he does up there. Well, yeah, I'm just hoping that guys like him can really keep it going because maybe he's not a starter in the big leagues, but like if he proves to be a an MLB caliber arm, like the Rockies, as we said at the beginning, like who's who's the the depth in the rotation, like the the minor league rotations are just really solid, and that was never the case in the in the 2010s, like basically never the case. It, you'd be pressed to find three good starters in a minor league rotation for the Rockies. Yeah. 
now you've got four. I mean, there's there's guys in the bullpen who could be solid starters on on a lot of these teams. And and that's a segue to to my guy from the doing well section, Mason Green, who we we definitely became fans of last season. He got a lot of love from us. And he's in the bullpen in Spokane. And I, I mean, he had a he had a really solid year last year. He had a, a basically three flat ERA in Fresno. Uh, you know, got roughed up a little bit more in Spokane, but this is a guy who came from D two, and then he's he's jumping into the pros, and he did a great job off the bat this year. Though, you know, four appearances out of the pen, he's a multi inning guy. He's striking out like thirty one point six percent of hitters. That that's twelve and eight point one innings. Uh, he's, he's walked a couple more guys than you'd like. He's walked four, uh, and he's gotten, he's gotten just unlucky with the hard hits, but like the stuff is ticked up in the pen and that's what's exciting. He's a lefty. So if he's, if he's sitting low mid nineties and he's got good secondary stuff, I remember watching a start of his last year and great breaking ball, great changeup. He sequences them. Well, he's a three pitch lefty out of the pen. So. Mason Green, he's he is doing well. Even if the ERA doesn't show it, he's doing well. Yeah, that twelve strikeouts and eight point eight one innings is nuts. Who's your uh who's your guy, James? Doing well section. All of them. They're they've all been showing up and showing out. I just love that about them. So glad you're here for this part. Other names on there, you could have at least like read the names for me. Uh, Grant Levine, you don't even have that. You don't even have it up. Coco Montez, Bryce McGowan, Carlos Torres, Zach Agnos, uh, the closer down in Fresno, and Brenton Doyle, <laughs> for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, on the mark, the next section here. Really like this list. I got to go, Chris McMahon. I've been able to watch his last two starts, and he's, I mean, friend of the pod my bias is showing again but like he's definitely one i was just how is he going to do this year coming off the injury last year he had what two or three starts at the end of last year um didn't go that great he had the off season work on a few things and then you're being thrown into double a which is where he should be um but like how are you responding to that so the 24 year old didn't start too hot <laughs> first outing was three innings pitch and runs just was all over the place six hits two walks got it together a little bit the next one went four innings but the last two ones the last two i've been able to watch he was just dominant his two starts ago he was great for three out of the four innings he went and they just kind of lost it in the fourth inning not all his fault some unlucky bounces um but even in that start he only he's only walking two um his last start only five five he went five innings with six strikeouts only allowed three hits, zero runs, two walks. So him being able to be that guy, it's not overpowering, but his stuff has that movement. He knows how to spot it and place it. That was one thing I definitely was able to pick up on and just really being able to use the secondary pitches in those. Like if he needs to, he can get you out, but he can also pitch to the defense behind him um, using that as his kind of repertoire there. Um so just really good things. The last two outings from Chris McMahon, uh, just love to see like, how are people responding? It's kind of one of the big things I kind of look for. Like that's what I love about Carl Kaufman. Like he responded well after some adversity at all parts of the minors, like what's Chris McMahon going to do. And right now it's looking pretty solid. So adding that three, four, five starter depth that can possibly be up the next two, three years up in Coors. So um, Chris McMahon in the, on the mark section. Yeah, and I'll I'll stick in that same rotation and, and kind of give a disclaimer with some of these these picks. These guys are in these sections sort of based on their relative expectations. Like some of these guys are, you know, 18th round picks. They're not going to have the same expectation as, uh, you know, a, a high value international signing or a first round pick. So mm -hmm. Case Williams, that's my guy on the mark. He hasn't had great numbers, but when you think about the fact that he's a 21-year-old in double A, he's had a crazy, crazy pro career being traded twice already, <laughs> coming straight out of high school. Oh, no. <laughs> you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, he, and he, you know, he's battled. He's definitely had some issues. He's walked 13, only struck out 14, but he's got a 4.12 ERA running through four starts. 
he's battling. And I think that's kind of the most important thing. And we know Case is a, is a bulldog out there. Um, so I think I think he's on the mark. Of course, you want to see the numbers be a little bit better. But again, he's a young kid, very limited pro experience. Uh, and he's he's duking it out with guys who are probably four years, five years older than him on average. So, you know, he he's definitely carrying, you know, the the expectations that he's got on his back. And you got to feel the Rockies like him a lot too. Uh, the Colorado kid piece and him being 22 up in Hartford trading back for him and all that kind of stuff. So there is a little bit of that pressure on him too. And he's a dog, like no matter what he's doing, he's going through it. So I like that one. Um, <laughs> James is going to give us anything. Other players on the mark is Braxton Hyde, Tyler Hoffman, Brian Castillo, I always get nervous saying his first name. <laughs> Carson Skipper, Aaron Shunk. Um, so on the mark, doing what they're supposed to do, where they're supposed to be at. So that's that's a good thing. Um, now we're starting getting a little the downside of things. Looking for more. I guess not really downside just yet, but l- some players that have big big draft stock on them um, and like just kind of slow out of the gate. It's April. We know what that means, especially in these cold weather. Like, there's been rain and snow up in the Eastern League. The Northwest League is terrible. Um, but I'm going with Connor Stain, and I'm I'm actually kind of surprised you put him on this list because I've been just fascinated by his stuff. Um, he just kind of loses it right now. He hasn't really quite figured out how to grind through the adversity in a game type setting. Um, he is fun to watch. I love his stuff. Very fundamental pitcher, but his fastball just looks faster than 92, 93. It's just got some live pop to it. Um, the tattoo on his arm definitely gives him some swag appeal too. Um, but like last, last game went five innings, loud nine hits, four earned runs, but zero walks in that time. And seven strikeouts. And if you know anything about the California League, it's just hits on hits on hits, especially with all these young guys down there. But you're you're getting seven strikeouts in 90 pitches in five innings. So that's something to be pretty stoked about. Um, another outing, five innings, zero in runs, only three hits that time, four strikeouts. So he has the stuff, and it's just becoming that full-blown pitcher, trying to get through the second, third time around the order is kind of his kryptonite right now that you, you he's definitely got to be working on in fresno but he's one guy i try to watch every start when i can Man, I, I yeah the upside with him is, is very big and so you would just hope for him as a more experienced pitcher he can he can start to string a couple together because he i think i think two of his four starts have been really solid mm-hmm. uh, you know yeah you mentioned the, the nine hit outing Overall, I mean, he was he was pretty clean in, in that start. And, yeah, the California League is going to throw up some lopsided results. So he's doing solid. But looking for looking for him to just pick up that edge because we definitely know he has it. Um, I'm going to roll with, with Jordan Beck. Ironic, because I thought he was going to take to the Northwest League better than Sterling Thompson. You have Sterling Thompson, who's been – I mean, maybe the best hitter in the minor leagues so far. And you've got Jordan Beck, who he's turning it around now. I, I'll, I, you know, he deserves credit for that. He's absolutely turning it around. He's got eight hits in his last four games, and including three home runs. So I, I think it's fair to say he's he's back. Mike Honcho is back. <laughs> uh, but the overall numbers, still not great. He had a really slow start to the year. So, you know, I'm looking for him to mash big time. Uh, get promoted to double A but before the end of the season. So that's the looking for more part is I, I want to see this strung together. Uh, but yeah, hitting 220 right now, only walking 6.3% of the time. He, he's only walked four times so far. Um, you know, not the, he's keeping the strikeouts in check though, even in, in what you would consider a slump. So, you know, he's that, he's that guy. I think he really is. I think he'll be, um, you know, a, a really, really good player in, in no time. Just surprised to see Sterling Thompson like lapping him right now, uh, but hopefully he shares some of that mojo and and both of them are are just grinding and on their way up to Double A. Yeah, I mean to be fair, Sterling Thompson is lapping a lot of people right now up everybody, there. Everybody, everybody. <laughs> um, 
other names on the looking for more Cody Huff, Jordy Vargas, Carson Palmquist, Carl Kaufman, Evan Shaver, Michael Tolia. Um, a little worried about him. Uh, Adele Amador. He had a two home run game last night, so he's on the up and up. Yeah, he is. Juan Guerrero had a few jacks. Yankee Al Fernandez is starting to find his group too. And then Andy Perez. Um, and then last but not least, the need to change trajectory. The the big guys, big, big projections that have just not figured it out. Um, there are some names on here that are definitely concerning, and Rockies fans aren't gonna like to hear it, uh, especially if you're listening to us. But I am I'm a little worried about Jeff Criswell. We were pretty stoked about him, pitcher of the year for the Oakland A's um, organization last year in the minors. And just, it's been terrible. I, I can't really find a sugar coat here. Um, he's last two outings have gone well, but he hasn't gone more than three innings. What? He's gone more than three innings twice in his last six, in his six starts. Um, but like one outing, 3.1 innings, 12 earned runs. And it's the PCL. You're going to have outings like that where you just have to figure it out. I think Carl had one of those the other day too. Uh, but these numbers are just very, very staggering. Um, not a lot of big, not a lot of strikeout numbers. Uh, just three or four each outing. Just not there. Walks two, two walks each inning, at least each game. Um it's just concerning. Like he was supposed to be that next guy, that next savior. He's Carl Kaufman, what Noah Davis, Peter Lambert, Carl Kaufman, then Jeff Criswell. And right now it just kind of feels he's there rather than fighting for that spot in this depth problem that the Rockies have at starting pitching. So he's young, right? What is he? 24, only his third full year as a professional. Um, so Hopefully this just figures it out, but Jeff Criswell, a little, little concerned about his, his stuff so far, especially when we traded a major league arm for him in uh Chad Smith. So that's where I'm at. Change that trajectory yeah. real quick. And, and yeah, you, you kind of hit on it. Like he's the guy who could be in the rotation right now. If he had a decent start to the year, he could have been in Noah Davis's shoes right now and picked up three MLB starts or at least one or two of those. Um, and maybe be in line to take Noah Davis's spot right now, but I, that would be kind of unfathomable, uh, unfathomable to have him hop in. Uh, yeah, you you hit on all the the weak spots right now, and I, I don't know which weak spot to to talk about here. There's you know three yeah. hitters who are supposed to be kind of the future of the Rockies lineup. Uh, you've got a couple, or at least you have one other arm, Jaden Hill, who. It's going to be my homework this week. I'm going to watch his his outing against Eugene and see what's going on because I remember he was drafted. I voiced some concerns about the fastball shape. You know, he, he can throw pretty hard, and I'm curious to see where his velo is. Um, but, yeah, I got to do my homework and see what's going on with him. He has just – I thought he was going to just dominate, absolutely dominate. And instead, he's running a 16.5 ERA and three starts. Uh, it hasn't been pretty. Mm-mm. So we'll see what happens with Jaden Hill. But then I'm, I'll, I'll go through the, the rest of these guys. Warming, Bernabelle, Zach Bean, Drew Romo. All three just really not hitting right now. And that's concerning. They've all, they've all been given an aggressive assignment. Double uh, A, I think they're all 21. Maybe Bernabelle's yeah. 22. But no. I mean, a very aggressive assignment, but it is a little concerning when guys, like they're not even really hitting the baseline level of production. All three are kind of at that, like, oh, they're they're a little, you know, waterlogged right now, and and that's concerning. And then the three other guys we got: Jesus Bugarin. He he dominated the Arizona Complex League last year. Same with Bryant Betten Bryant Betancourt. I thought he was in in the DSL. Those two guys. Actually, no, he wasn't. Both of them were in the Arizona Complex League, and they both mm-hmm. just dominated. And now both are really struggling to hit in Fresno. And then finally, Daniel Montano, he's with AAA. He had a he had a couple of flashy moments so far this season, but he's a guy who's been super inconsistent throughout his pro career. 
you know, he'll hit like 150 for two months and then he'll hit 350 for the next two months. So maybe that's the the surge he's got coming. It'd be nice if the Rockies could pick up another toolsy outfielder with him. I mean, he's, he's basically MLB ready. He just needs to show that he is in AAA. So mm-hmm. a lot of bats really scuffling. That's, that's sort of the theme. And, and we really need some of those guys at least to turn it around. You're not going to hit with everybody, but you can get a couple of those guys to turn it around. Uh, I think we'd all sleep a little better at night when you see a nine and 20 MLB club, you want to at least see some solid guys that are proximate to major league baseball. Yeah, exactly. And Zach Bean is on the IL. He's going through some stuff. Uh, Drew Romo does have one, two, three, four, four of his last five games. He has a hit in six out of his last eight games. He has a hit in. So after his atrocious start, he's starting to figure that out. Just there's no power with those right now only one double one extra base hit on the season so i mean growing pains they're gonna happen especially with 20 year old 21 year olds out there um and i think that's gonna be the road the dead end to this road here unless you guys have anything for the good of the cause that you want to end it on we're kind of it was kind of a debbie downer negative nancy uh, Uh, pod it was i feel i i need to go watch the nuggets and hopefully they will not further depress me but the one good thing we can we can hit on, there's a lot of arms we haven't seen this yet so this year. You you noted them in in our little outline. We got Jackson Cox, Sam Weatherly, Hell Chris Olivares, Joe Rock, and Nick Bush. Haven't seen them yet. Yeah. And all those arms are very very talented. So we're talking about how every rotation in the minors has four or five guys, and you have like relievers who should be starters. You've got another rotation. No, is that yeah? That's that's five guys. You got five starters that haven't even pitched yet this year. You know, I, I well actually no. Joe Rock has pitched this year, yeah. but he's only made one outing. Um, but those guys hopefully have have something to show us here soon. Um, that that's your exciting little pill <laughs> to finish this off. Got anything, Jamesy? I just have to backtrack with Chad Smith. You you mentioned that the trade for him and you referenced him as a major league arm. I don't know if I had referenced Chad Smith as a major league arm. Did he pitch That's in my the only majors? Qualm. Did he pitch in the majors? He has. His okay. ERA is oh, then we're done talking. north of six. No, we're, then we're done talking. And I don't – I'm sorry. I don't qualify that as a major league arm. Okay. Have a good night. <laughs> Go Rocks and the minor league affiliates. Woo! James is wrong. <laughs> Thank you for watching and listening. Please check out our link tree for more content.